7500 to hold hold cast i'm jack grimsey as always and alongside james russian this week as robert can't join us he's got another fancy dinner but how's it going james yeah it's fine i mean i wish i was having a fancy dinner it seems like uh, robert's got one every day having on snapchat don't i all these menus and whatever he's cooking up this time flying around so yeah nice to join you jack yeah he's a really good cook and as as him, why didn't you post pictures of what you made the other day on Twitter because we always are joking that we're going to start a cooking podcast, but it's like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to do that, but uh, yeah, we, we didn't have an episode last week, which means it's been a couple matches since you guys heard from us last, and two matches, two more losses, pretty much just how it goes for Villa these days. Yeah, it's been, I'll just consider it one long, horrible match. Uh, Everton and Watford, same mistakes, it was just... I don't know how to describe it, Jack. I don't know how to. I don't want to talk about it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least one thing you could say is that Everton are a pretty good team. Which, yeah, Robert when Robert and I were talking about it, he's like, uh, "Yeah, Villa, Villa, and Everton, they should be shooting for the same things, and maybe yeah, no. idealistically, yeah, you'd like to be in the same spots." And then we kind of, kind of said that Everton probably wouldn't be going for Europa League or place this year, even, but. I don't know. They've they've looked really good lately. Uh, yeah, everyone looks better than Aston Villa at the moment. But yeah, Everton are a club. I think Aston Villa. It's like a, the benchmark. They should be at least around or higher than Everton, if not under them. Um, of course, we're under them right now. But I'd consider Everton the, the equals to Aston Villa. Um, we yeah, should be aiming to be like Everton. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there are a lot of similarities if you just look at. They're really Everton Villa, the two big clubs, or the two clubs that are not in the bi- the set of so-called big clubs that have yeah. been have a presence in the Premier League. Um, no, like um, when you invite me to come on, uh, one of the things I was thinking about talking about is you know Aston Villa in this group, and um, West Ham are in it. It seems to be Newcastle. We're we're bunched in now with Newcastle and Sunderland, and uh, our performances will seem to mirror them for what seems like an eternity now. They go down, we'll go down with them. They come back up, we'll come back with up with them. And it's a shame because we did used to be a club like Everton, you know, aiming for mid-table, if not European places. It doesn't seem like that anymore. It seems like we've fallen out of that. But quite a pre- prestigious group. Um, West Ham have seemed to have taken our place and we've sort of dropped down. So it is a shame, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you you got to give credit to West Ham. They've bought smart and yeah. they've had good players that have they've done the job for them. And really, I think just... Just stability starts from the manager position, I guess, and you can see why Villa are in so much turmoil if you just look at who's been in charge the past five yeah, years. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like a stupid thing to put on it, but I just don't think we've had the luck other teams have had. Um, like, I think it's one of the things we'll come on to, but with Watford, you could say maybe all of their goals were down to luck. And uh, I know RJ had a piece on it earlier about luck and deflections and goals. It doesn't seem like we get you know, that chance that divine like right to score a goal that other teams do. And it does suck, I mean, going down every week and you know, see the deflection going off someone's shin pad, you know. It's like yeah, the, yeah. the chairman of the, the Chicago Villa Lions, uh, Simon Lee Chu, he says, Well if it wasn't for bad luck we'd have no luck. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I got you gotta be thankful. I mean, we're not in, you know, in the midst of a financial storm like other teams, you're not being dragged down to like League Two or the conference like other teams have been. Um, so, yeah, I'm thankful that we're in this situation, but it just seems like we are the worst team in the Premier League, undoubtedly. We may be all right at football, 
but you know, twentieth place and five points doesn't prove that at all. No. Yeah, and and I mean, at some point you really just have to stop making excuses. But yeah. if you're if you're just looking at Watford, like like you're saying, all of their goals starting with their first goal in the 16th minute, it was yeah. just a pinball goal, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one goal I do have to give credit for is a uh, Dini's goal. It was a vicious. He attacked the ball. Um, that's something Villa don't do. They wait for it. Even Gestead, he'll wait for it to come on and they play it on. Dini ran at Kieran Clark, muscled him out, attacked the ball, scored a goal. And you don't see Villa do that. Maybe luck, luck does come into it, but you don't see Villa players aggressively go for the ball. And they don't, it's like there's no fight. I know you can't really judge football on fight and grit and all that. You know, cold Tuesday night at Stoke and all that. But you don't see Aston Villa players go for it. There's only one player that goes for it. It's Michael Richards, you know. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point you make your own luck, and but I think yeah. a lot of that is like what Watford. They just had confidence. Yeah, I mean, um, it was a. So I mean, we'll probably come onto this, but it wasn't a good night at Villa Park. It was a very uncomfortable night, uh, vicious um, division in the fans, and you know, after everything that's happened in the world, it was an uncomfortable football match to be at. And yeah, losing to Watford, it just <laughs> there's no words. I'm getting upset thinking about it. God, but uh, you did mention you did mention Micah Richards and yeah, that was a, a great header and yeah, I mean should see a lot more of that from him and he's he's, he's always someone who's going yeah. forward. It is a contradiction when I say you know no Villa player taxable, but there's so much similarity in the way Dini's goal and Richards' goal is they both just aimed that they had is a one track mind they knew what they was going to do and they scored. So yeah, I mean if we had Michael Richards as a striker, you might see a bit more goals. <laughs> Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we've got AU. He's tricky. He's good. But I mean, we've, I'll keep coming back to this point. Benteke was a complete player, and it seems like we've bought four players to make one Benteke. Um, yeah, so, you can't you can't put fourteen players on at a time. No, but. exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does look like we're in a bit of struggle. And Mark Richards is someone I always look to. He, he's made you know he does have the, the Mickey taken out of him about you know. How, how he speaks, what he says, you know, how he plays, and he does his little runs up the middle. But yeah, I think he is an inspiration. He should be. He is an inspiration to the rest of the Villa players. That's how I would want you know the other ten players to play. I think he'd run into the brick wall if if Remy Card told him to. Honestly, yeah, no, he. I mean, if we go down, I know we'll lose him, and that will be something I'll be devastated about. Uh, Michael Richards is he's slowly, well, not slowly, but he's became my favourite Villa player because he embodies everything that. You know, you you would feel, and I would feel about being a, if, you know, a Villa fan and a Villa player. You know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point, and it's you know at the start of the season, oh, he's already saying, oh, he's already the captain. He he just got here. He's yeah. just been signed. He's a mercenary, whatever. But really, I don't know. Perfect example of what the captain should be. Yeah, this isn't what I've heard about. This is like just straight vodka. <laughs> so <laughs> being a Villa fan, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Mark Richards. Uh, Alan Hutton's another favourite of mine. He's not a Premiership quality player. He's, he isn't a, a technically gifted footballer, but he's someone who gives it all and leaves it all on the pitch. And I mean, that's all we need right now. I mean, we're in a bad place. We have to, we're going to have to make our own luck, as you said. We're going to have to score scrappy goals. We're going to have to play horrible football to get out of this. There's no way we can play Remy Guards, you know, what he would want 
to get out of this. Other teams will destroy us if we play a high line. We've just got to uh, fight for every single point now because we're the bottom, we're the worst team, and we've got to change people's opinions of us as well as climb, you know, slowly climb our way out of this relegation zone. Yeah, and I mean, I think we, we were just talking about the bad luck, but I think uh, when Gomes got injured, that was just yeah. terrible luck because I think he's the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he's always been shaky. Yeah, I mean, like, Gomez is the type of player you'd expect, you know, um, when he got injured. It was a nasty injury, obviously, from the whole end. You can't see that. <laughs> so everyone was a bit taken the piss out of him. But it was a horrible injury, and uh, he, was a sh- he was a shaky goalkeeper. And uh, obviously, you have this, you know, the substitute keeper come on, and there's always this stigma. They're going to play their skins out. The guy looked nervous. The, uh, what, I can't pronounce his last name, so I won't, you know, embarrass myself trying to. Um, but uh, when he came on, he did, uh, you know, he played out of his, out of his skin. Uh, for what, he saved a few crucial shots that were, you know, would have, if Gomez was still playing, they would have went in. Yeah, um, he, I mean, he, he spilled one and Gomez had dropped two that were yeah. really within a couple feet of, of the yeah. player, but they just, just weren't able to get on the end of it. What's funny about the Watford match as well is how Brad Guzan, um suddenly turned into, you know, Brad Guzan of like, Two or three years ago, when he was arguably the Premier League's best goalkeeper. Yeah, when he, he when saved. he like single-handedly saved us. Yeah, I mean, he. I'm not. I'm not a stats guy. I don't look at the stats. <laughs> you know, um, I don't use them in my you know analysis of football team. So I probably should do in this sort of modern age. You know, where we're um, taking more stats on board and you know our view of footballers. But Brad Guzan, um, I mean, his kicking is terrible. His distribution is piss poor. Um, it's not championship. It's not even League One quality. Um, Brad Guzan cannot kick a ball at all. But he I mean, you, you don't need the stats to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, his shot stopping was like, sublime. He's, I think it was, it was very unfortunate for him to let three goals in. He, that does not reflect how well he played. Yeah, the, I mean, the the hard known goal was terribly unlucky, like we said. And Yeah, I mean... I mean, Dini did well, and Igalo. I mean, he's he still had to finish the first one, but it yeah. just shows you that's why Watford are where they are and we're where we are. Yeah, I mean, Watford seem like a team, you know, that have that mentality of fight for every point, and it's working for them. Uh, Aston Villa look like they're in a crisis of confidence. They look shook. They look rocked. And I think there's this mindset now, and it has been there for a few years, when they go a goal down, the game's over. That's it. They won't try and fight back, and they did. They did fight back, but it was a set piece goal. But when they, they go a goal under, that's it for them. They know they've they've lost the game already. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's what it's been like you said for a while, and I mean, but under Sherwood, it was almost like, oh, yeah. now we'll now we'll just flip on the switch. Yeah, I mean, I guess just thinking of the the semi final. I mean, yeah, I don't think. I don't think there's much secrets left out, you know, now more about how the teams run and everything. Um, but you see this weird thing. I mean, with Paul Lambert, we played some solid defensive football. We didn't score at all, but we didn't concede either. And that helped us in the long run. And I think the players must have felt maybe we've been held back by this manager. So when Sherwood comes in, they play out of their skins. Then they realise these same problems are creeping in. You know, they go a goal behind. They don't score. And it does seem like the mentality of the squad... I don't think it can be changed. Um, no matter how many new faces you bring no, in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we better not sack Remy Guard because there's nothing, there's not one thing I think he can do himself to change us right now. We're 
you know, we're in a tailspin. And hopefully, you know, they can get a bit of confidence back, a bit of, you know, morale back and get back to playing the football. We know they're cool. Play. We haven't got a bad squad. But it does look like just rocked. I need, I need a therapist or something, you know. Uh, maybe we should employ some therapists instead of um, the uh, recruitment committee we've got going on right now. But, yeah. Yeah, stop worrying about who you're going to sign in the future. You have to get these current players to save the club yeah. so you can sign someone in the future. Like, uh, as I said, we've got four players to replace one and uh, none of them are matching up to them. Um, but that's not the problem. Our, you know, we've got a squad of good players. Gisted's a good player. AU's a good player. Peritu's a good player. Ghana's a good player. Sanchez is a good player, you know. Um, they're just, whether it's a lack of chemistry and a lack of confidence, I think there's a lot of problems at Aston Villa that maybe aren't to do with the ownership or the management, but possibly more to do with how the players are connecting on the pitch. I mean, some attitudes... It's a sink or swim thing. Um, when we go down, you see Michael Richards on the pitch flapping his arm and getting everyone riled up. But you'll see some people like Carlos Sanchez and Jordan Veritu and Jordan Ayew and they just look defeated. They look, they know. They're all, they're new. Most of them are new here and they know the, the narrative. We go a goal down. We won't get back into it no matter how good they play or how good they do. They just don't have... It's like there's no mentality there of trying to win the match. I think really they should they should blame their agents because I don't know if they really knew what they were getting into signing up. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, how would I feel if I was Jordan Veritu? I could be at Leicester, you know what I mean? Uh, I could be at Leicester, top of the league. Yeah, I was reading something about him, and he had just he just moved to Villa. He uprooted his family, his wife, and or his girlfriend. I don't know, and his two month old or two week old son. And then he was yeah. just leaving the bench at Villa when he he could have went to Leicester. But um, yeah, since, since we're talking. Yeah, you can tell the future. I mean, yeah. you know, thought Aston Villa on the up this year. Yeah, but since we were talking player personnel, let's jump into the Twitter questions. And one of our writers, Ellis Sanford, said, "If we get relegated, who stays and who goes?" Oh. And this is really, really the most difficult year because I think the last three years, if Villa had gone down, they really would have ended up being okay. Like Benteke would have been gone, but whatever. Yeah, and yeah, now exactly. it was just kind of a transitional year. A lot of players on higher wages than the past couple of years, really. Uh, yeah. Um, who goes? Most of the team. Um, I imagine Carlos Sanchez would go. Um, I imagine Jordan Veritu would go. Jordan Ayu. Um, Jordan Amavi, I'm not too sure. He uh, obviously was injured. So I'm pretty sure he's staying at Villa next year. Um, Mark, I really hope Mark Richards doesn't go because he's the type of player we really need. Yeah, and my, my roommate's actually been asking me too. He was saying, do you think Grealish stays? And I say, yeah, just because yeah. he's a Villa boy. But if he wasn't, there'd be no chance. I don't know. Um, I mean, when all the Jack Grealish hype was there and Chelsea were after him before he signed his contract. Um, but they just they just want him the same reason yeah. as City wanted Dolph. Exactly. Um, Jack Grealish isn't a proven Premier League player. Um, Carlos Hill looks a lot more complete than him. Um, he still suffers from a bit of immaturity to his game, a bit of greediness that he needs to let go, um, possibly on the back of you know all the national team stuff. Um, I mean, I think if we do go down, Jack, we just want to take a look at himself and maybe go, hang on a minute, I can really make a name for myself here in the championship. This is my ability. This is where I can push on to the next level. Um, I hope he stays um, because, you know, he's from Birmingham. Um, he's, you know, just a bit younger than me. Um, he's in the Aston Villa team. He's someone that I can, you know, kind of relate to. 
I mean, if he goes, it just it, it will it be the best move for him? Um, that's the thing. That's the question that's got to be asked. I mean, it, it wouldn't even really help him if he ends up going to Chelsea and just be no, a squad no. player, like like Chelsea, what you were playing yeah. the whole year in the Championship. Yeah, they have a they have the the joke is you know they have a whole team of uh, players that are out on loan. Um, Jack Reed should just be another one of them, and you've got. To, you know, you've got to look at the Chelsea people that are out on loan, um, and you, you can't put Jack Grealish in the same league as them. <laughs> they're miles better than them. They're, Premier, they're solid Premier League quality. Uh, Jack Grealish is a very up and down player right now. Um, he needs to get his head screwed on definitely, and uh, he does need to start playing consistent football. Yeah, and I mean, I think training and playing with the U21s will be good for him for a while, as yeah. as much as he was being immature by going on partying after the game. It's kind yeah, of hard of to blame him. Like, no, con, every, every Villa fans is just yeah. getting drunk after the games because nah. it's depressing. <laughs> uh, nah, obviously can't blame at all, but um, I think I think it's more, what I've been thinking about is it's more so not what they want everyone to abide by the same rules. Um, I guess there's a, there's a huge emphasis on fitness and discipline at the club now. Um, so if, you know, if one play, if all the players, some players are told that they, they can't go out drinking and one does go out drinking they've got to be punished the same way even if they are Jack Grealish or not so it's just one of those things I don't I think the media have looked a bit too much into it but it's just a player getting punished for breaking the rules I guess so that's all there is to it I guess yeah and I, I don't, don't think it's the worst punishment ever, ever to no. go train with the U21s when you're under 21 yeah. and you're not playing like you deserve your place in the squad so I'm glad you said that because you've you've absolutely nailed it, haven't you? He's an under twenty one player. He's still got a lot to learn at you know Premier League level, so he should be realistically training with the under twenty one team in the first place. Yeah, yeah, you can't like it's not out of a normal yeah. development for someone just because he was. Yeah, he had a great year at the end of last year, but yeah, I mean. That's what you again. You said it. He had a great year at the end of last year. Um, he's, he, if he wants to move to Chelsea or wants to move to Manchester United, he's got to be a good player for an entire year. He can't just have one good match or two good matches. Yeah, yeah. That's Jack Grealish. I mean, um, <laughs> he's a kid, isn't he? Um, he'll learn, and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. Not just for Aston Villa. I, and you know, I really want to be selfish and say Jack Grealish will stay forever and he'll be this club legend. But you know, fair play to him if he can get a move to a really good, team, a massive team. I mean, Villa are a big club, no doubt about it. But you know, every kid's dream must be to play for Manchester United. You know, especially in England, they they got they they surpass football. Um, so if he wants to get that done, he needs to start playing football and acting like an adult. Yeah, and I mean, it's up to Villa as well. The other players will have to raise the level of the team if they want to keep him. Oh, yeah. You can't blame him if we're still toiling around the relegation zone and oh, no. even someone like Liverpool comes in for him like now or something because yeah. they just look great under club. But um, anyways, let's get get to another Twitter question from Simon yeah, Ray. Uh, who would you like to see join the club, leave the club in the January transfer window? Join the club. Oh, join the club. Ah. I would say Charlie Austin, to be quite honest. Charlie Austin, um, we do need someone who can just score from anywhere. Charlie Austin has got, he goes beyond football in the fact that he does seem to have this knack for finding the goal. Uh, 
I mean, obviously, you don't want to buy a footballer just on knacks and instincts. Um, but it does seem like he can score goals from absolutely anywhere. And I think that is someone we need just to kick the football to and score. Um, we spend too much time getting lost in midfield. We put too much pressure on people like Carlos Sanchez and Vera too. And especially Ganner as well. We put too much players, emphasis on these players holding possession and losing the football essentially because um, it's, it must be, it's obvious to me, so it must be obvious to club scouts that if you hammer Villa in the midfield, they'll, they'll stumble. So we do need someone we can get the ball to who will score those scrappy goals that we all need that, that are getting scored against us. Um, but yeah, who would you set? Who would you want then, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I think Austin's a good shout because the the rumored fee is around eight million, and if it was going to be fifteen in the summer, eight in January, free next summer. I mean, of course, it doesn't matter if it'll go down; no. it's not going to do anything. Uh, I was I was thinking about a goalkeeper, but like you said, Brad Guzan's been yeah. looking better. And yeah, I mean, uh, no, it's the only reason is you just need someone to push you in training and Mark Bunn doesn't do that. Yeah, I mean, no. we do we do need to sign someone we can rely on in goalkeeper. Um, we have got Brad Guzan. Brad Guzan's an excellent goalkeeper, um, but he's not... Well, he's an excellent goalkeeper at shot stopping. If shots come at him, he'll, you know, nine times out of ten, he will save them. Unless he spills it or drops it. But yeah, um, in terms of instincts and re- reflexes, Brad Guzan can't be matched. It's just his footballing, actually footballing ability that lets him down. Um, but we're at the bottom of the table. We'll have to rely on reflexes and instincts of a goalkeeper to keep us out. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would, I'd want to stick with Brad Guzan. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other side of the question is who leaves? Yeah, who, that's that's difficult too because you have to imagine that it won't really be we won't be signing a player, but we'll probably be bringing a left back into yeah. the mix because Joe Bennett's alone will end up Burnmouth. He hasn't played at all there. Yeah, and Ali Sissoko, he's played two games at Porto, so we could probably come back, especially because he's worked under guard in the past. Yeah, um, I think getting a left back back will be crucial to the team. Uh, even so, Kieran Richardson didn't do terribly against Watford he did yeah, came up with an assist solid, yeah solid 5 out of 10 you know I mean it's not the usual Kieran Richardson we expect um, so hopefully he's got his act together and managing to play uh, as a service of the left back but uh, in terms of who leads in January I, I don't think he'd want to let anyone go at all what about um, Gabby that's been, been I don't think uh, you know what I think we go down to the championship he'll end up being our top scorer again that's just it's just him isn't it um, I, would, I would be happy for him then because he's a local guy as well and yeah, uh, all the baby mama drama he has. Uh, I, I think he's genuinely a nice guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't see Gabby leaving now. I think uh, his ability has definitely declined over the years. His physical abilities are still you know, top-notch, you know, his strength and his uh, pace, but he's not a very good footballer at all anymore. Um, he used to be pretty, pretty tasty as a footballer. He got in the England squad a few times. Um, but yeah, um, football has evolved a lot since then as we've brought a, a lot of new continental techniques and uh, we're trying to emulate German clubs and Spanish clubs and French clubs and the way we play football, running really fast and hitting the ball really hard won't cut it uh, at Premier League level anymore. Yeah, but next year in the Championship though. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Championship, um, I think we'll see. Who's going to kick it all the way up to Big Rudy and he'll nod it on to Gabby? Uh, <laughs> run behind Richard Dotton. That reminds me of 
back when Football Major 2008 came out, uh, I was really excited about Emil Heskey and Brad Guzan. So I drew out this tactic. I, was, I couldn't wait for it to come out in uh, November. So all the way from August, I was drawing up my tactics as a you know, 16-year-old schoolboy. And my tactic was Brad Guzan can kick it really hard to Emil Heskey, who will header it in. And, you know, as someone, I didn't understand football tactics at the time. I thought you just kick it really hard <laughs> on the pitch. And so, yeah, that was definitely something that maybe we can look forward to in the championship. Um, not to disrespect any of the clubs down there. I'm sure they're pr- pretty good at playing possession, uh, possession and direct base football. But maybe we'll get to see some, you know, dirty route one stuff. It's just more prone to have errors when you have to play so many matches. You have to rotate the squad that much. and Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, the championship would definitely be a trial, a proper baptism by fire for Aston Villa. Because if we do drop down to it, you know, people are saying, "Look at what she- look at what happened to Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds." Um, unfortunately, we aren't Sheffield Wednesday or Leeds. Or Bolton, yeah, Bolton. But because because I, I was just I just heard the the BBC Five Live podcast the other day talking about them and someone at Bolton was saying, well, we spent a lot the first three years then the parachute payments dried up because we thought we could bounce back up. And now that we didn't, we're really screwed. Yeah. Um, The thing is, no disrespect to Bolton or Leeds. Well, Leeds are a massive. There's one equal to Aston Villa. In the lower leagues of football, definitely be Leeds. Their football and pedigree. I would even say Forest as well. Yeah, Forest. European titles. Um, Even Derby. There's a few big clubs down there, massive clubs that would be bigger than some in the Premier League. Um, so if we go down, yeah, um, we haven't been as mismanaged as some clubs were. If we don't come back up, I can see us coming straight back up, to be quite honest. Um, we've got Nathan Baker, Callum Robinson. We've got a lot of players that we can stick in the squad that will be very serviceable uh, in the championship. If we don't come up, then it's time to worry. But if we're, if we're not even in the playoff places. You, yeah, it'd be really, you know. yeah. Definitely. If um, you end up getting third and, you know, just bad break goes your way at, at the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. If uh, you're toiling for another year. Yeah, championship, it's very snatch and grab. Um, Birmingham City aren't a bad football team, um, as, as much as I hate to say it. But, you know, they didn't come straight back up when they went down. They had good players. You know, Villa have better. But, you know, that you'd, expect them, you'd have expected them to come back up. Yeah, the the best tweet I saw a couple weeks ago was next year Villa and Chelsea are going to be throttling everyone in the championship. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think Newcastle actually have a decent squad. Of course, they'd probably lose a lot of it though. But yeah, the problem Newcastle have the same problem as Aston Villa is that they just can't find a way to play football. They've got a really good squad. Um, they haven't got like, the worst manager in the world, but they just can't find this a way to. Uh, bring football back to basics and actually score goals. I mean, the the outlier would be them putting six past Norwich, but you know they're still in a bad position. I wouldn't want to yeah, be in it's, it's Norwich. I think we <laughs> yeah. for that game we just need to give Lambert a one game contract because he would always destroy them. But yeah, exactly. Let's, let's look at the the other side of the coin. Talking about we have a good squad that's really underperforming. You know, I think Leicester just I still don't think they have a good squad. Yeah, they're just playing beyond their abilities. And I guess it's kind of like what Lambert did at Norwich, getting back-to-back promotions. I think any time you get back-to-back yeah. promotions, your squad is massively overperforming. But uh, anyways, on the on 7500 this week, Herbert Crowther had an article about how Leicester's great escape, and I mean, 
you can still see they've they've just kicked on from Christmas last year when they had ten points, ended the season on forty one, and look at them now. Yeah, still flying. Uh, Leicester have mastered playing basic football. Their team, their teammates will probably take a bullet for each other. Um, this mix of chemistry, simple attacking football has worked wonders for them. Um, the pace, I know we laughed about it earlier, Ellis made an article, and we all laughed about the pace of Jamie Vardy. But that player's electric. As much as I don't like him as a person, Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy, they're electric together, um, and it's worked wonders for them. It's, like, there's just this two, two players have changed their season, as good as the rest of the team would be. And these two players have hit you know, explosive vein of form. That doesn't seem to you know, be in a sort of ending. And let me ask you this, Jack. Like, could you see two players in Villa emulating them, Mares and Vardy? I don't know. Someone, someone that really impressed me last week was Traore. Just when he came on, and he was yeah, fingers I mean, crossed. When he's when he's off the ball, he's maybe one of the laziest players I've ever seen. He was just walking around when Watford were in possession on on the other side of the pitcher. But I don't know. He's he's got something. That's, he's special. So when you can come in and just just burn someone, but I don't know if he I don't know if he has the stamina to go every game. You know, you need two players that are going to be really reliable. Mm, yeah, maybe uh, maybe it's Veritu. One, I mean, another one is is Richards, but at, at center back, he's not getting really getting that chance to go forward and create anything. No, um, he's not, and he does. He's a bit dazzling when he runs forward, uh, Michael Richards. Um, he does seem to never lose the ball. Um, I mean, he probably has a few times. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, like Vlar, you know, Vlar would always he would dribble. Yeah, and Vlar would take free kicks and never score. And, and yeah, it think, it just always makes me so nervous when your centre back is going forward. Yeah, I think uh, that's what we need, though, isn't it? Um, we can't rely on uh, our strikers to score goals. We can't rely on you know our attacking midfielders to create goals anymore. Um, well, yeah, because they never get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, one of the one one of the things that I ask myself uh, as well is is Carlos Hill as good a footballer as everyone thinks he is, and the answer would be yes in a way. But I think people are learning to play against him now. You just mark him, and he will never get the ball. He's just he's too small. Um, he's almost he's almost a luxury player in the way that Darren Bent was for us a couple of years yeah. ago, and that. You just you can't afford to put him in in the side when you have to be scrappy. No, um, completely agree. Uh, Tim, we all uh, argued the toss when uh, Tim Sherwood wasn't playing him at the end of last year, but you can kind of see why, because he's a very limited player. He's very technically gifted. He's not physically gifted though. Um, he does seem to run out of uh, stamina. He does seem to run run out at the end of matches where he can't play football anymore. And he gets elbowed in the face, and the ref doesn't do anything. Exactly, he's just, uh, just because he happens to be at elbow <laughs> height of the guy, you can't elbow him in the face. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think English uh, in the Premier League defenders are huge. They're you know like physical specimens. You can't expect Carlos Hill to run at these guys and beat them. No. Um, our winger, we got Traore, which is perfect. He's a massive brute. He's a brick. Yeah, and Scott Sinclair on the other hand can run, can just dance through. So we've got the perfect winger duo, but then we've got no link up in the middle, and we've got two very dainty players in Carlos Hill and Jack Grealish. Um, we don't yeah, have I mean, any. They, they definitely both can't be in the same side. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, it is a shame, but yeah, we're going to have to rely on someone else uh, other than those two uh, to make goals. 
Yeah, but but next year in the championship though, Dylan Grealish and whoever yeah, else. Sinclair Sinclair's a proven championship superstar. You know how stupid the appointment of well, the purchase of Adama Traore looks now. I'll keep now with that with twentieth. Yeah, just what's, what was, literally what was the point? Because he, he'll end up going. He isn't gone in January. <laughs> he's on like the rumor is, is that he's on like about seventy five thousand pound a, a, a week. Yeah, because his uh, he's made enough appearances that his original wage packet doubled. Or... It just it doesn't make me shake my head at how this club is run because it's not like Portsmouth or Leeds where we'll buy loads of expensive players to try and stay in the Premier League. We we'll just buy one and then hope it works. And I think a lot of you could have put a lot of hope into Jordan Amavi, and it's massively yeah. unlucky that he went down, especially now that we have a French boss because. You think, oh, the pieces are just just right for for him to kick on, but yeah, um, I mean, even with Amavi getting injured, uh, Kieran Richardson isn't that much of a liability that like, he will lose us every match. If you know, um, you know, it's just it's just a left back at the end of the day. Yeah, you can exploit that position, but you have to ask questions of the other ten players on the pitch. Are they performing? Are they stepping up their game in the absence of one of our you know star, admittedly star players? Yeah, exactly. Like you were saying, he's maybe he gives you a five out of ten every day at the worst, yeah. six out of ten at the best. But you can, you can only have so many of those players in the team, <laughs> yeah. especially right now. It's you can't just maintain the level you're playing. Yeah, uh, definitely. Wow. Um, so if we look to emulate Leicester's great escape, I think everyone will really have to step up the game and learn to like playing with each other. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, before we get to Southampton, uh, I guess that uh, you can just talk a bit about your from the stands piece in that environment at Villa Park for the Watford game. Sorry to piss you off again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no problem. Uh, so I usually I've got a season ticket at uh, Villa Park with my dad, and uh, he couldn't work. He both he couldn't go to Villa Park because he's working uh, this weekend. So I had the pleasure to take my girlfriend. <laughs> To her first ever Villa match, uh, she'd been asking me because she'd seen the, the Mets play, and we went to New York. We saw the Mets, and it was amazing. You know, you could get a hot dog and a beer and just watch people smack a ball really hard with a wooden bat, and it was amazing. And they lost and everything, but it's just it, there's nothing better than watching a, a fat dude smack a ball off an apple. Like, everyone <laughs> applaud it. Um, so I guess she was expecting that same vibe, but. When you go to Villa Park, um, especially now, the atmosphere is vicious. You know, you got people throwing programs at, you know, chucking them drunk and angry into the whole end, and uh, you've got a lot of uh, viciousness um, in the fact that the players are getting booed for every single mistake now because everyone realizes how desperate it is. You know, if Carlos Sanchez is a pretty good player and he makes one mistake that like leads to a goal, he just gets booed, and you know that's not what we want. Unfortunately, that's what the situation has created. Uh, this atmosphere at Villa Park is extremely toxic. Um, you, you know, uh, it was a three-two game, and if you ignore the fact that the opposition was Watford, you know, three-two is a pretty decent result. We, you know, we fought back from three-three-one back to three-two, and they did, things didn't work out for us at the end. But there was a, definitely a lot of positives to take from the fact that you know, Jordan I scored a goal out of nowhere. You know, that doesn't happen to clubs in the bottom end. That's something to be, you know, look forward to. But we still have this massive boot at the end of, you know, a loss, and a lot more losses are coming if we continue to play this way. And where where does the relationship break between the players and the fans? 
if they're just getting booed at every single mistake. Yeah, it's just a, a really a toxic environment that you know it's not a good <laughs> yeah. way to, to foster success, but yeah, but it is what it is. It's you have to win. Yeah, I mean, if you go down to Villa Park to watch football and it's come to the point now where I don't expect wins. I just I don't even expect goals anymore. I just expect to see something that'll make me, you know, go, wow, that was fun for thirty seconds. But um, considering what I'm paying for a season ticket, it's making me or not in a sense regret my purchase, which may, may sound stupid to you. You know, as a fan from over the States, you would probably do a load of things just to get to Villa Park again. But being so close to the ground, it just seems so much of an effort to get, you know, this twenty minute train to Villa Park and then pay £40 a month for your season ticket just to see it all collapse every single or every other Saturday. Well, it's almost like if you're you're just going to a funeral or something, you know? Yeah, no, you, you, you're spot on there because it is, the atmosphere is sacked, um, especially with all the stuff that's happened with Brigada. They've been you know, kicked out and they're stamping down on the fans and it just looks like, oh God, there's arguments with the stewards, you know, fans are arguing with other fans, fans are booing the players and it's like, where there's no fun here anymore. This is not a fun place to be. It's not a comfortable place to be, especially when you're walking home after every single, and I'm not lying here, Jack, every single home game. And you're just getting, we're in Birmingham and we're getting made fun of by fans from, you know, London, Manchester, Wales. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll have to walk past them. They're on the coach back and it's just like, in a sense, it's local pride just goes out the window. You know, you're yeah, a guy at work the other day, um, was just talking talking about soccer and says who's who's your team and I I tell him Aston Villa and he goes uh, why <laughs> he's like are you from Birmingham or something and I was like no no and I was, I was like well who's your team and he's like well in England I like Chelsea <laughs> but my number one all time is Real Madrid oh man that's <laughs> like, my number like, one oh, that's, not, that's America for you but like I was like oh Real like not doing too good now and then they they at least we didn't. Have, Put a disqualified player in a cup match and gonna get kicked out. Like, but for, after, for as big as they are, they're terrible right now. After all of this, after being 20th, it is Villa Park. Aston Villa is still an amazing club to support. We got like this beautiful Victorian name, and you know, the club's set in a unique position. The stadium's next to an amazing like uh, Victorian mansion. <laughs> you know, it's surrounded by a, like a little a park and a little forest. Um, it is an idyllic little football club now. Um, surely it's not in the same band as you were. We're not going to be European champions for a long time. Um, we're probably not going to win a trophy for a long time, but Assenburg is still a club you can be proud to you know, support in the sense that they're unique. Um, not every other club has a, a stadium based right in the city, in the heart of the city, but Aston Villa have kept this, you know, their original location. And that's amazing. You know, all these little things make them amazing to support. Yeah, and I mean, just thinking about like the cup run last year, that really just gave everyone something yeah. to be proud of. Even if you know, well, we're going to finish fifteenth, but we're having a cup run, and then next year, I don't know, maybe we'll do twelfth. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely. In the absence of like success, you really find out what being a football fan is all about. You know, supporting soccer or football, it's all about these tiny. There's always this joke that American fans, you know, wouldn't take to soccer because of nil nil score straws. But we've seen Manchester City evolve into the game. Did it? You know, who would have thought a game with no, you know, scores or goals would result in something like that? You know, yeah, it's just, it's just nerve-wracking, especially when you to be conceding at any moment, and then Guzan saves it from his face off Sterling. Yeah, put away. Yeah, fantastic stuff. But yeah, um, 
I was thinking the other day, I mean, my, I do enjoy doing the from the stands pieces. Where's the point where they just get to start sanding the same? I mean, I've seen about two goals, you know, the whole end. I've seen no wins. I've barely seen some good play. Um, so where does it get to the point where it's suddenly just writing about how bad things are all of the time? <laughs> I think that's what why Robert really wanted to do Dead Week was with just everyone anything no, yeah. around Marvello is just dreadful. But maybe time for another one soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's let's hope not. He was. I was saying like we were having the scheduling conflict this week. Maybe before before I asked if you would join us or join yeah. me, I guess and. It's like we should take we should just stop doing it until the bastards win. <laughs> no. It's like um, well, maybe maybe we'd end up never doing a podcast again. And I, and there's a guy who tweeted in September or something, this will be my last tweet until Villa win. Oh my god. And I, I saw retweeted the other day and clicked on his profile and he was like pretty pretty active tweeter and nothing's Yeah, I mean I'm I'm at a loss of words about I don't even know where our next win comes from. Yeah, you can't beat Watford at home. All right, well, let's let's get to Southampton away. That's yeah. Well, oh, God, how we're going to close the show? With, great link. Um, but Saints, they're they're not having the year they wanted. They're tenth, but still with twenty points and a positive goal difference of three. It's what it's would you do to be in that position? Though? Literally <laughs> anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, it's bad for Southampton, but it's even worse for us that they come in off being smashed by Liverpool six one. Um, I would not. I'm. I'm scared about watching this match. Um, <laughs> I mean, especially because last time it was a six to one against us, and yeah, Liverpool, um, Liverpool beat them six to one, and they had just six shots on target. They all went in. And as I said, uh, have that horrible luck again. You know. Yeah, I really hope that we can learn to play the conservatively and defensively, and maybe scrap three points. We will not win if we try and attack, and it is pointless doing so because they are coming out to, you know, show the world that they aren't a they aren't a team that gets beaten six one. They're going to come out and aim to put as many goals past us as they possibly can to appease fans that were disappointed by being knocked out of the uh, Capital One Cup. So, um, I haven't got high hopes for this match. As much as not optimistic as I try to be. Uh, I'm saying it could be four at least to Southampton at half time. Yeah, it's it's it really has the potential to get ugly. Yeah, it really does. Um, we're we, gonna have to just take this one as it is. Yeah, and I mean, we did. We played them in the League Cup. We were knocked out by them. Didn't score until the 90th minute. No, at yeah. point, it didn't even matter. But it was. It continued our str- our string of one goal losses. But yeah, um, <laughs> really. I mean, if the goals have got it. Someone's got to find it. Yeah. If I do look for a positive, it would be that Aston Villa have the potential to frustrate Southampton if they play a certain way. And it isn't a way Aston Villa usually play, where they punt the football up to the pitch, do, you know, uh, get scrappy fouls in and uh, tactical fouls. But yeah, we'll have to look for them to play a certain style of football that we will have to become accustomed to seeing if we were to survive. I think set pieces were good last week, actually against against Watford. As I've lost my my camera, but um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> as long uh, as I can still hear your voice, Jack. Yeah, and I. But you know, Richard scored the header. 
and it was it was actually crossed and not taken as a shot yeah. on target. But um, I don't know. I think that I think that's something that when you're when you're a struggling team, you can take set pieces and and build from that. I know certainly. Um, if as long as they practice stuff on the training ground, maybe we can get a goal from a corner or a free kick. Um, I can't see us scoring uh, having much chances from open play. Um, but if we can frustrate and um, open up a gap for Southampton to have to you know, lure them into uh, drawing a thousand attractive areas around the box or corners, uh, we can certainly grab one or two goals through set pieces because we've certainly got the physical ability to do so. Yeah, and, and you're saying about frustrating them, frustrating the fans, the fans will be anxious to see goals after after oh, that yeah. last yeah. performance. And if they've had a few chances and they and they don't capitalise on them in the first half, Oh yeah. Um, then who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, that's it's like how you how you beat Spurs is you get their fans pissed off and then they boo their own team. Yeah, exactly. You've just got to uh try and sit back uh, until half time. Don't try not to get anyone sent off, uh, but you've got to play really defensively. Um maybe don't even bring Carl don't start Carlos Sanchez in and don't start Carlos Sanchez. Bring him on in the second half as someone who can just be a rock in the centre. And pick up a yellow card later exactly. if you need it. Um, because we'll certainly, if we play the way I hope we'll play, we'll get a few yellow cards and we'll definitely get someone sent off uh, in the second half because we're going to have to play dirty to, to, to even get anywhere in this game. I mean, it, it's what you have to do when you're in this position. Look at what Rudy just did against yeah. Manchester City. He's never going to th- throw the ball like that at, at Joe Hart if we're not last. But you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, you have to do. And it... it, it it is funny because we're in an age now where we have books that can teach the typical fan um, the, beauty, the, the beauty behind tactics. We can uh, analyse, we can cross-reference, we can look at how Barcelona play football as if it's you know they're in water and they're swimming. Um, we can you know look at teams like Real Madrid. We can look at teams like uh, like Fiorentina and you know Napoli and. We can try and emulate these styles, but at the end of the day, when you're 20th in the, in the Premier League, you're going to have to go back to playing basic football, which is being aggressive, kicking the ball really hard, and trying, to, hoping that you score somehow. Um, because yeah, and we will not score playing playing the football that everyone expects from football these days. Yeah, you have to you have to really work your socks <laughs> off and just chase everything down, no matter yeah. what. You know, I mean. I feel like such a hypocrite because I, I am a fan of teams that can play free-flowing attacking styles and attractive football, possession-based football. But all this analysis, previews, and uh, you know, before the match, speaking about how they play, and after the match, trying to analyse what went wrong, it all goes out the window when you're on five points at the bottom and you're, you've got the worst start in Premier League history. You have to just get any win you can. Um, you can't hope that oh, there might be something we can change next time. You're going to have to treat every single game as an individual game, not hope to build into a certain style because it won't happen. We will be potentially facing losing 10, 11 players, you know, everyone we bought in the summer when we, if we go down. Um, so hopefully we'll have to scrap a few wins and hope we can build into some sort of style. Otherwise we'll face this, this position where we're hoping for just for a bit of luck to break our way. Yeah, I'm, personally, I'd be okay with if you're playing rugby the whole time. If we end up yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, really matter. we have this commentator, uh, commenter on the site. I don't know if you know if Yak, but uh, he or she 
always speaks about playing Big Sam football. And uh, I don't think Big, Big Sam Allardyce is a proponent of horrible football. I've seen some a lot of worse teams play a lot worse football. But um, yeah, don't yeah I think he, he makes the most out of the squad. He usually has, you, you know. To, we have to play aggressively. We have to play day. We have to play horrible football we're going to have to you know we're going to have to go to Stoke 2007 style Stoke Tony Pugh Stoke to get anywhere I mean frankly it doesn't matter because if you can try again oh, yeah. Premier League next year if you survive and try to play good ball yeah I mean uh, Tim Sherwood tried to do it and behind all this tactical ineptitude, it might have been something that he could it is a situation he couldn't change, and it's a situation Remy Gard won't be able to change. I'm not sure, you know, in all of his, all of his footballing education, the Wenger and at Leon, that he thought in he'd be playing scrappy football. Well, as is the situation, he has to become a chameleon, and adapt to where we are. I don't think. I mean, was, his, his teams had Gomez as a striker for some of the time he was there, <laughs> so I think, I think he's he, he's pretty bad at you know. But yeah, um, definitely. Um, if we go down, I hope that he stays in the manager because he does look like someone who has a strong interest in football as a sport. He wants to learn and grow and hopefully mould Aston Villa into his team. And I don't think Paul Lambert would have been good if he went down. There was someone he could grow into his team. Tim Sherwood as well. But we are constantly stuck at this position where we have to go, oh God, we better do something or otherwise we'll go down. But maybe going down will be an absolute blessing where we can build a team, like seriously build and nurture a team and a philosophy that will hopefully guide us to a position where like Bournemouth and Stoke, teams that go up and are explosive, you know, teams that stay up. Even Wigan, for God's sake, a few years ago when I came up, I stayed up for a few years. Um, so hopefully building into a team, going back to basics, stripping the side and nurturing into a team that has a certain style and a method of playing football. Maybe it'll be the best thing for us to grow all these youngsters into a side of playing real football in the championship together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it, going back to the Stone Age doesn't work for us this year, I think. Yeah. yeah obviously, we'll, we'll be able to outclass people next year. But, yeah, I think I mean, I mean, think that's all all we have for this week. Yeah, uh, there's not much to talk about, unfortunately. Is there? It's, I mean, <laughs> it's a case of, you know, we were bad last week, the week before, the week before that, the week before that as well. And we will likely be bad this week and the week, the week after. There's definitely no reason to believe otherwise, but um, no, but we fingers, still try. Fingers crossed we get a point against Southampton. Um, everyone I've seen on Facebook and Twitter knows we're going to lose. Um, I am being an optimist and I'll hopefully go for a 1-1. Uh, I mean, that is really being optimistic, a 1-1. But that's a result I would be really happy with. If not a win. All right, I'm going to go for 2-2 then. Nice, yeah. I'd say any variation of a draw would be fantastic. 4-4, yeah. 5-5, four, four, five, five, yeah, whatever. That was fun. Yeah. I just want to see some goals, some football, and hopefully yeah. something to go home happy about. Yeah, some goals for us would be great. <laughs> Remember, oh, we're still on iTunes, so if you want to leave us a review there, that'd be greatly appreciated. Stitcher, we're on the Google Play Store now. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, of course, and YouTube. So I uh, want to thank you for joining us this week, James. No problem. Apologies about being so depressed. I came into this. I would not be attitude, but talking about Aston Villa is probably the worst in me. It's kind of impossible not to no, be I completely agree. It is bad for uh, now. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and I guess match Saturday. Saturday's at 3 GMT. 
uh, yep. 10 Eastern. So we'll have all the coverage for you at 7500holt.com. James on Facebook, as always, getting our page up there. And I think Robert will be back on Twitter. So for James, I've been Jack Grimsey. We want to thank you for joining us on the Holtcast.